Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. Bibles, go ahead and take them and open to the book of Acts. Actually, I'm going to make our Bible declaration. As uh, Pastor Chris said, this was Pastor Eddie's declaration, but we'll say, uh, you know, he said he got it from Pastor John Olstein. He was a fireball of a Holy Ghost preacher back in the day. So let's make this declaration. Hold your Bibles up. Let's say it. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the word of God. I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, great. Uh, In the book of Acts, this is where we've been in this series as pastor laid the foundation for that. And by the way, continue to pray for him, pray for the family, and lift them up in this season. I love what he made a statement and said. He said, our faith is strong, our vision is clear, our direction is set, and our God is in control. That's what's come out of this season from him, and so we stand on that, and we're going to lift him up and continue to do that. So as he kicked off this series last Sunday and began to talk about Beyond Sunday Morning, because we all understand that... That it's, it's great that we gather. A lot of us, we think about church when we're coming to church, and when we're leaving church, we're looking for something to eat. But how many of you understand Monday morning is fixing to hit you? There's something, it, for some of us, it may start off great. For some of us, it may not start off as great. We may walk out to a car. I'm not speaking it, but it may not be wanting to crank. We may have some issues and some problems. So we understand that there's more to this thing than just attending a church service. But we believe in the gathering of the saints, and especially as I want to talk about this morning, I want to talk about my relationships. And, and I'm not going to dive into marriage and stuff like that. That's a, that's a different topic for a different time. But what I do want to hone in and focus on is, is specifically what the Scripture says And the book of Acts chapter 2 is it points towards relationships. And I'm going to read this. So if you have your Bibles here in that book of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, this is after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We see that Peter has already preached the inaugural address to the church and letting them know, hey, they're not drunk like you think they are, uh, but there's been something that's happened. It's, It's the outpouring of the Spirit of God. And so this is the aftermath of the establishment of the outpouring of the Spirit of God and the church. Verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves, which means it wasn't a one-off. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. They had a fear of the Lord in this time at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. That's a miracle in itself, right? They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I want to take a moment right there. This is a time in Scripture where when I talk at times and seasons during the years, like Passover offering, the night of blessing offering in November that we take up for people in need for for Christmas, 
There's times and seasons that the Lord himself and even the apostles, they called for you to give everything. It was a sacrificial act of giving. So this is a time of sacrifice. It wasn't an all-the-time thing. It was just in this time and in this season, it says that they, they, they sold property and possessions and they gave it to anyone who had anything in need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with gladness and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all, pe- all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I really want to focus and hone in on, the, on, the, focus, uh, on the, the word fellowship. The togetherness. The people, they were all together. The believers were together. And there's a word for that. And many of us have probably heard this said before. It's, it's not so much that, the, that, that I, I, I didn't take Greek. I just can pull it from where it was at. But the word there is the word koinonia. And it simply means fellowship. But if I could say, uh, um, it says sharing with someone, sharing life with someone. But one of my favorite definitions for koinonia is the word of or the phrase transfer of life. So that when I'm in relationship with someone, if I'm in communion with someone, if I'm in fellowship with someone, and it's not so much with unbelievers, uh, we, we have relationship with unbelievers, but it's different in the church. It's different with believers because there's, there is an identification of the Spirit of God in another person that, that makes it completely an other than type of relationship that you won't get. And, and, and just the world setting, it's actually spirit to spirit. It's, it's we can bear witness with the spirit in somebody else, and it's not so much their spirit as it is the Holy Spirit in the person. But I love the phrase of, of the transfer of life with one another, to one another, and with one another. So that's koinonia, in, in essence, says sharing in something with someone, but could it be the transfer of life with one another? Now... Here, I understand that when we gather, and we, I firmly 100% believe, believe in the gathering of the saints in the church because, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, but I want to give it to you, and I'm going to give it to you again, I'm going to give it to you again. A lot of times we think that unity means uniformity, that we've got to talk the same, vote the same, look the same, act the same, dress the same, come from the same neighborhood. But in the kingdom of God, that's not what that is. We think that, that, that unity means uniformity, but that's not the way kingdom is. Kingdom, in, in the kingdom of God, unity requires diversity. It honestly requires and welcomes every one of them. Now, we understand that in all of that, honestly, what really speaks the truth is Scripture and Christ himself, but we find that there is a level ground at the cross. That at the cross, and people can argue that, but listen, anyone has an invitation to come to that cross. The cross, which speaks to salvation. So what we share in together is salvation. Every one of us in this room, we share in salvation. And I was reading in the book of Luke sometime back, and I was in one of my study Bibles, and it had a, a portion there talking about the word salvation and broke it down for the Greek word in that setting of Scripture, which is I love so much. And it means this in salvation. Not only does it mean saved, healed, and delivered, we run across those, but it speaks to the full spectrum of the triune man, if I could say it that way, spirit, soul, and body. It's an all-inclusive word, listen to this, signifying forgiveness, healing, prosperity. That's not just in your emotions, but in your physical well-being. Deliverance, safety, rescue, one of my favorite words, liberation, and restoration. And I think back to how many of you are 
or war buffs. You like to read history. You like to see, uh, watch documentaries. Well, one of my favorite ones to look at and to just kind of track is World War II because I feel like you had a lot of these young men that, that were, some of them even lied about their age to go and serve on a foreign battlefield that they had no, they had no time. They just knew America needed them, so they signed up and went. And, and just their boldness and, and even some of the documentaries that I watched that some of them that got rejected or 4 f committed suicide, that they couldn't go serve their nation. And what you read is in World War II when they liberated France or when they liberated certain areas, some of those areas over there that like the whole, the whole of the nation was in jubilation. They, they would, I mean, they threw a party because they were no longer under the oppressor. But they have been liberated by someone that said, you're not going to do that on my watch. And so much as it is in the kingdom of God, Jesus, there was an oppressor. And he knew there was a price you couldn't pay. So we, I know we're not talking that vain in this regard. But what I am telling you is that he saw a price you couldn't pay. So he came paid a price to, 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 to relieve you and to liberate you and to give you freedom so you didn't have to stay in that lifestyle. Now, many of us get saved and that's where we stop. But how many of you understand that's why you have relationships around you to prod you? Come on, what are you doing? Don't sit down. It's not no time to sit down. We got something to do. You can't get lazy. You can't get lethargic. You can't become apathetic. It's time to move forward. But salvation is what we share in together because at the foot of the cross, it's level ground. I love that. That's what Pastor Eddie says so many times. But And the more you think about it, you get up to the cross, it doesn't matter your skin color, how much money you make, your socioeconomic status within the community. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you're willing to come and yield and surrender, that there's freedom and liberation for you. The second thing in this is that we, we sh- what we share out together is serving. You share outwardly. Well, that may not be so much an essence of the church. It may not be that you're part of an I-serve team, but you may be doing something within the community with other believers. And, and, and obviously, we give you the invitation to be a part of this because this is really, I know from a young age, I, I grew up in a church where 10% of the people did 90% of the work. Um, you're, you're heavily involved in everything that's taking place, and you just serve until you don't serve anymore. I mean, it's a, literally you serve until Jesus. You, when, you signed, when I signed up to do, be, be a part of the state for worship, it was like I'm doing that until Jesus comes back. <laughs> now, I know things have changed. It's like Sam Chan says that everyone's committed. They're just committed in three-month increments. They'll give you three months. So those of you that own businesses, I can't figure this out. They're with me for three months, and they're gone. Everybody's committed. Just three months. No longer is it a lifelong commitment to some things. But we serve together. And here's the life of Jesus. We see it. He told his disciples, he said, look, I did not come to be served. I came to serve and to give. That's what he came. So together, and what he told his apostles was that, look, you become a servant of all. I love the Apostle Paul. So many times he talks, talks about himself and refers to himself as a bondservant of Christ, that he's bonded to him and he'll serve him regardless of where God sends him. He's all in. But yet he didn't do it alone. He had a Timothy. He had a Barnabas. And that Barnabas was a son of encouragement that come alongside. He believed in the calling of the church. It wasn't just us four and no more. We're going to gather around and do our thing at the house. Listen, look across this room. And I'm telling you, I am so thankful for the relationships that I have in this house. I'm sorry, I'm processing thoughts. <laughs> and maybe some that you didn't want, 
but God said, you need. (laughs) And I'm thankful for those two because there's been faithful wounds of a friend that would speak up in seasons. I needed to hear it. And it was alongside serving somebody. You learn that you're doing something more that's bigger than yourself. Do you understand what it takes to get a worship team on the same page? Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm serious. Some of you are, but it, it's any team. It, it's sometimes when you come in, it's like you got, you got somebody wailing on a guitar. You got somebody thumping the bass. You got a drummer. And everybody's just like, it's like, <laughs> all this stuff. It's like, oh, my goodness. And so I was, hey, just mute everybody. No, there's so much. But then when everybody says, I know what you're supposed to do. I know what you're supposed to do. Let's lock in. And when everybody locks in, the vocals lock in, everything. And then there's a sound that comes forth because it's, we prepared, hopefully, but it's the Holy Spirit that begins to drive the bus on the direction of what we do. That is what you need. When you serve together, you learn how to serve one another. It's very important, very vital. It goes on to say that, that in the scripture that they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, what we share with one another, that's the next portion. This is, I want to take a moment on this, and it's stewardship. Let me tell you something. I dedicated a precious little baby boy that is probably going to be called a worship leader. For those of you who are in first service, you know what I'm talking about. He got up on the stage, and he stomped his foot a few times, just like I do. So, and... But I was thinking about whenever we were dedicating Nash this morning in that first service, and I, I thought to myself, and, and, I, and this is a reminder to myself often when I pray for my family and my, my children, nothing that you have, you own. If you're a believer and you know scripture, nothing you have belongs to you. If we believe the word of God, what does it say? The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. You were bought with a price. You don't even belong to yourself. And I'm not, I know it's, it's not just preacher rhetoric. It's not just something we, we really believe that. I believe that. Like, my marriage is not mine. It belongs to God. My children are not mine. They belong to God. Now, that's hard. But to know that my finances are not mine. They belong to God. Everything of my life. So when God asks of it, I said this over the past, uh, uh, over this past week, talking with somebody. I, I was giving them some just personal, uh, personal knowledge of whatever. I said, you've got to learn to live like this. I know I've said this a thousand times because when God takes it, you want to make sure that your hands aren't clenched because it will hurt. It's going to hurt. You are stewarding everything that's in your world right now. Students, I don't care how old you are. God entrusts you with a measure of something, and he's watching how you steward that. Everything you have, you do not own. It belongs to him, and you have to live that way. Well, that's just a mind over mind. No, it's not. It's scripture. It all belongs to I'm stewarding everything I've got. My relationships, you're stewarding them. Everything is being stewarded right now. Anything we've received, it belongs to him. Relationships, family, finances, Home and vehicle, and people say, Well, if God owns it, He just paid for it. No, it's not the way it works. He gave you strength to get up and provide for your families every day. Well, God didn't give me this house, I did. No, you didn't. He gave it to you. He, he provided the strength, as Deuteronomy talks about, for you to get up and work. And it's important to be able to do that. The Apostle John stated, I love this the source of fellowship was relationship with the Lord. And he says this He says, We proclaim to you what we have seen 
and heard. So they're saying, we're, we're echoing and speaking what the Lord Jesus said so that you may fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So it's impossible. Here's, here's the next feeling. It's impossible for Christians to have true biblical fellowship with people that don't, don't know who Jesus is. It is true biblical fellowship. Because if they're a true believer, first off is that the Bible says is that, that your spirit bears witness. You can tell some you wonder at times. <laughs> That's why you ought to be praying for the gift of discernings of spirits to know what's really functioning behind this person. It's a power gift. Anyway, it's important. The body needs that. One thing that the body of Christ lacks is, is they're biblically illiterate right now. A lot are biblically illiterate. They don't read scripture, so they don't understand. The more you read scripture, the more that God gives you general discernment, the more you can bear witness with those you're in relationship with. I'm telling the truth. I know it's a really simple thing. The more you read scripture, the more your heart connects with the author because he shows up when I read. The more general discernment is given so that when you, don't, when you get around somebody and you can tell they're Christian in name only, uh-oh, then I'm like, I, I got to steer clear. I can't, I can't, I can't mingle with this person. I, I can't shake hands with them because something's off. Why? It's because there's a bearing witness of spirit. I can, I can walk in relationship with brothers and sisters. That doesn't mean that I don't minister to those. It's just hard for me. I lost friends when I got saved. When I came back into the kingdom of, let me just say this. When I recommitted my life, came back into the kingdom of God, I lost friends. Didn't know why, didn't understand it. But it's because there was a cutting away of dead things. I can't, I got to leave that one alone. I'll move forward. I got to keep going. I'm talking to myself, not to you. So love and unity are the absolute necessities. You have to have those if there's going to be true biblical fellowship. I mentioned it earlier that unity is not uniformity. It doesn't mean everybody aligning and doing the exact same thing. Because there's diversity. There's diversity of thoughts. It's like when, 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 when we pastors get together and we talk about certain topics. I mean, it's not the, the, the essentials of salvation. It's just certain things. Like, when is Jesus coming back? First off, I, I don't have a clue, but that's just something that, like, we're not going to argue about that. We have different opinions on that of when he's going to come back. Uh, and I don't need to attend a Bible prophecy conference or nothing like that. I'm going to plug into the power source and just keep serving Jesus till he comes back. Kingdom of God come, will of God be done. I, I, listen, you can't become, you can't get destination disease. Ah, well, your assignment is not to get to heaven. Your assignment is to bring it. You got to bring it. There's a difference. All right? So that leads me into the next thing. Let's, let's talk about this for a moment. But there's three basic elements of biblical fellowship. Three basic standard elements for you. The first thing is this, is that fellowship must include a challenge to grow. Nobody likes to be challenged to grow. Wow, I want to grow. I want to have great faith. Well, it's interesting that a lot of times, anytime you pray for great faith, something's coming. There's going to be a situation that's going to challenge you to expand your faith. Resistance is the growth factor in growing your faith. You resist something. Anytime that you receive a prophetic word, excuse me, a word of encouragement for those that may not understand. It's a gift of prophecy. Someone comes up and says, I see God doing this in your life. He's going to bring that. And it's going to be so. And it's like, oh, yeah. 
So the next thing you know, all hell breaks loose. Why? The word of God just came out of eternity from, from the heart of God into a brother or a sister that you walked in koinonia in relationship with. They share with you a word of encouragement. It comes out of eternity where it's hidden from the enemy. He has no idea what's in the heart or the mind of God. And it's given through a human vessel. He hears it. Now he's going to test the word that's just been given. Because every word of God must be tested. Every word. For it to be a legitimate, authentic, real word of God. It does. Because the word of God cuts, prunes, heals, and, and, and restores every time. All right, keep moving. Here's, here's what I'll tell you. In this whole process and fellowship, the challenge to grow, many believers get saved. They repent to get saved. But how often do they move beyond the door of salvation into the fullness of the kingdom of God? They get saved and they sit. I'm saved. You're not saved to sit. You, you understand that even the, 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 the text of Scripture, the Bible itself, is prof, it's prophetic means movement. It's progressive. We're moving towards something. You're not who you were yesterday, thank God, but you're not who you're supposed to become yet, but you're in a process. So I repent to be saved. Yes, nobody wants to go to hell. I'm not going through that again. I, yesterday was really hot. I worked outside. Ooh, I, I was just thinking, I don't want to go to hell. I do not want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. And, 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 but, but here's the thing. Many of us are, that's our mindset. Well, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. But we don't repent enough to, to see the kingdom of God come. Jesus preaches. He didn't say repent for you'll go to heaven. He said repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. It's now. What is that reality? It's everywhere that I go. As I go and I'm sharing life with somebody, when he sends them out two by two, he didn't send them out one by one, the 72. In Luke chapter 10, he sends them out two by two. Why? Because they're the transfer of life. They're going to need one another in a moment when something doesn't work and whenever they make a declaration and it doesn't happen the way it's supposed to. Whenever they lay hands on the sick and declare and not pray. Another topic. They're going to need one another. There needs to be a transfer. So who are you doing life with? Do you, have you repented to be saved, but have you, that many of us probably have, but have you repented enough to see the kingdom manifest? Have you seen the kingdom come, the power of God display in your moment? Because things happen when the kingdom comes, when the kingdom manifests. And here's the next thing about this. Salvation is free. It is free for every person. But growth and maturity will cost you almost everything. To grow and mature, it'll cost you. Cost you some time, cost you some relationships. You'll hop on, we hop on a plane and fly up, fly up to Pennsylvania and get amongst some, amongst some people that you don't know who they are, but you just know there's something here. We come to receive an impartation so we can bring back and release. It'll make you do some things because you want to know Him more. He is the goal, not the gift. He is. You have to get off the milk and get on the meat. That's why Paul spent so much time talking to this shit. So we don't want to just, not like, I, I need to I grow. I've got to grow, 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 grow. I, this this uh, shirt that I saw sometime back, it was advertising, and, and I loved what it said. It was actually a workout shirt saying this morning. It's like, can you not tell? You know, I'm just, my spirit man is 6'5", trim, sleek, and can run like a 3540. I don't know. Anyway, but it said grow to death. Now, you, you read it, you're like, oh, wait. But that's true. You literally, as a believer, you grow till you die. You don't ever stop. It's constantly, you become 
You become a learn-it-all. You learn. Every room you walk into, you're never going to be the smartest, so don't even think you are, as John Maxwell said. You're in the wrong room if you're in that room. We can all learn from every person, and so I'm constantly absorbing kingdom. Every day I get up, and when I look at Scripture, God is beginning to reveal himself even more and more to become more like him. So I have to be challenged to grow, not just by God, but by people around me that God places me in relationship with. You can't neglect those things. You with me? You can't neglect those things. Those are important. Proverbs 18.1 says that one who isolates himself um, or separates himself, that's isolation. They seek their own desire. They're selfish. And they quarrel against all sound judgment. So all the introverts, just hear me for a moment. Don't freak out. Don't leave the church yet. Let me preach. Jesus practiced solitude. There's a difference between solitude and isolation. Jesus knew when to retreat from the crowds, spend time. He spent, did it a lot. In the book of Luke, it talks more about Jesus' praying than anything. But then he would return. So you have to retreat, but you got to return. It's called solitude. It's getting one-on-one with God. Getting one-on-one with relationships that matter the most. Saying no to people that have no idea what your marriage and your children all You have that time carved out. But you can't be isolated. Isolated, you find yourself in a steep place or a deep place called uh, depression. And the spirit of heaviness will come in those seasons. Well, I'm walking through the valley. No, really what you're walking through is you're walking through a place of where you've begun to isolate yourself because something has happened. You can't isolate. You can solitude, but you can't isolate. Yeah, you got me. It's important to know the difference between those two. You need to know that. Number two, so that's the first one. Number two, fellowship must involve sharing Jesus with one another. Now, this is simplistic. We understand this. I'll just use an example. Uh, There's been a couple of mornings, which I typically am texting Pastor Eddie uh, in the morning just saying, just a simple, hey, praying for you. Literally, when I'm in this room, praying for you. I love you. Um, Thinking about you, and that's it. But then there's these mornings whenever I start thinking about the influence that, that him and Pastor Sherry have had on our lives and our marriage and our families, that I wouldn't be able to do the things I'm at doing what I'm doing without him in our life. And, and so I'll spend a moment and I'll shoot something with scripture att- uh, attached to it. And it's important when people cross your mind, it's not coincidence. Okay, let me just say something for you. Coincidence is not in Hebrew language. They don't practice that. They believe that everything has been directed and divinely orchestrated by God. So when someone passes through the thought of your mind, stop and text. Now, there comes a point when they don't reply anymore. You just have to follow the leading of the Spirit or whatever it is. But, but you need, you need to, to reach out. And it, it's just a simplistic thing, but make sure that you're engaging. You look across this room. Maybe there's people you, you haven't seen in a long time. Or maybe it's in your personal world. Reaching out, connecting, and, and, and it's just, I mean, again, and, and honestly, when you pray for them, listen to what scripture ties itself to your thought or your prayer for them. What is God saying? And it's important to relate, release that to them. So it involves sharing Jesus. And I mean, that, that is sharing Jesus. It's uh, with those, those around you. Um, the third thing is this, is that fellowship must motivate all those present to consistent outreach. Every one of us, I preached this, uh, wrapped up this past Wednesday night, focus, or the uh, preaching on the power of a focused church. 
and talking about the importance of making sure that we don't belly gaze and navel gaze, but we're lifting our eyes and looking because we don't, we're not a four-wall church. We want this thing to explode. We know that God's confirming it through prophetic voices that, man, we're in a harvest season and, it, and, and we're reaching, we're praying. We're really honest, and that's what August is about, is really praying into that 50-mile radius to reach northern Mississippi, northern Alabama, and the surrounding areas because we understand not everybody can fit in our church, but the ones that are supposed to be here, they got to be here. So we got to pray. God, send them into the house. And so they'll come in. And, and, and that's so that, that but that's, there has to be a motivation to stop looking and saying, well, we're good with what we got. Yeah, we're debt free. It's great. We're doing a lot of great things. But this isn't enough because God knows that there's more coming. We got to pull another one from the fire. We have to be motivated. There has to be a motivation. I never want to stand beside a cask of, of someone that I don't know if they had a relationship with Jesus and that not bother me. Like, I have to know at the head when everyone's coming through and passing through, I don't want to be jaded to, well, this is just another. No, it's not. It's like, God, if they died without knowing you, then someone dropped the ball. And I don't know who it was, but I want to pray into those moments. So there's divine appointments that come into that. And for you as well. So we prayed Wednesday night that you would have divine appointments with people that are, I'm telling you, I know we want to push that day out of our mind. There'll be a day of judgment. And we stand before God. It's not the white throne judgment. It's that first judgment that will take place whenever you'll stand before him. And then he'll open the book. You know there's a book of life. There's books with all of your things written in them. And also your name that's written in those. And, and is he going to find your name? I'm just telling you that's, that's crazy for him to open up and look and say, I'll see it. What do you mean, God? I, I, I did everything you told me to do. I, I was here at church. I, I, did all, I, I performed miracles in your name. I, I, I laid hands on the sick, and I watched them recover. Sorry. The work you did was unauthorized and illegitimate because I did not intimately know you. There was no connection of heart and relationship. You got to go. And that's forever. That's a, that's a very somber moment, wouldn't it be? I had a dream one time, and I, I had a dream that I was like, Going for, and I was so nervous <laughs> coming up to the throne. I'm serious. I remember in the dream, I was like, in, I was in terror. I walked up to the front, and, and, and the angels are laughing. I'm, I'm serious. I'm not being weird. I really, I don't dream a lot of prophetic, but they were laughing, and I was like, what are they laughing about? Just what I perceived to be angels. And then there was some snickering in a crowd, and I was like, well, they're la- I didn't make it. And I got up there, and it, was, it wasn't Jesus. It was just one of... I've never shared this. Why am I sharing this now? Anyway, I feel shouldn't be doing this, but oh well. But there was one standing right beside the book where names were being called off. And they said, AJ, what in the world are you freaking out about? It was in essence, you're good. I remember, but I didn't enter in anywhere. So I don't know. To be continued, that's all I can tell you. <laughs> I was walking out. All I know is I was just, yes. You know, it's like, that's a sobering moment in that time. So anyway, do with that whatever you will. We knitted that out. It doesn't matter. Um, so can people look at your good works and glorify the Father? Are you reflecting his image? Are you permeating his image? Do you, do you take on... Are you inoculated by his presence? Is he transforming every facet of your world, your marriage, your children? Is he transforming? Does he have your full attention or does he have portions of your thoughts? Come on, I'm I'm pleading with you this morning. You got to become a burning person for the kingdom of God. I'm not, we just watched one of the most precious ladies go home to be with Jesus that has made such an impact. 
And it blows your mind to see, but all you just have to know is, God, you've got a plan, and we trust that plan. But it's like when we, the messages that are coming in from the Philippines, and God willing, we're going in, in, in February, of those over there, that, of lives that are being transformed. Is your life creating, did, did it start as a ripple and start creating waves? Because that's who we are. We're supposed to, we're supposed to take on the, the, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, and, and release his goodness in every, wor- every which way of life. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm belaboring that point. Get it, get it down inside of you. But somebody needs to hear from you today. Somebody does. So the results of biblical fellowship, let's talk about that for just a few moments. Fellowship always results in encouragement. Even intense fellowship. <laughs> Sometimes. Fellowship always results in encouragement. I think about, I mentioned this earlier, but uh, um, Barabbas was, or Barnabas, excuse me, not Barabbas. He got forgiven. He had a pretty good one. But Barnabas was known as the son of encouragement. And Paul, he walked alongside Paul and encouraged him along his journey. Paul had to have Barnabas. He had to have him. It was essential for the work that he was doing for the kingdom of God. And, and, and every one of us, there has to be, you, you need to be encouraging. I don't know what kind of relationship it is if, if you're both in the ditch every time you have a conversation. Somebody got to be encouraging. And that's what we talk about on Sundays. It's important to make sure that like with our staff, with our leadership team, make sure that you're, you're giving words of encouragement to people as you talk to them. And, and this is, I love what Proverbs says. It says a word spoken at the right time. It's like apples of gold in their setting. It's perfect. So the right word at the right time from a friend will certainly renew you inwardly. Some of you, I, I know there's a couple that come and pray often here at the church, intercessors that come and pray, and they're, they're knitted, and they're unified in their prayers, and that's, you got to have that. But there, there is a, and it's strange and crazy how sometimes that Crystal will say, hey, I just got this text from mom, and she said, they were praying, and it's like, oh my gosh, because there's a unity there. When unity is there, there's words that go forth that speak to the season that you need to hear a word in. Unity creates so much, but it results in encouragement. God wants to encourage. And here's one of your favorite points that I'm about to preach. But fellowship always involves correction. It always involves correction. I look back and, and, and think about where I'm at now um, because I, I got to the point to where I craved feedback from Pastor Philip, that was, he used to be the campus pastor here, and he went home to be with the Lord early, I felt like, but hey, God's got a plan as well, right? But I would go into his office on a weekly basis. I would sit down, probably aggravated him a lot. He'd have to tell me, hey, I got to get to the next thing. So, but I would go in and sit down because I knew that there was wisdom. There was a wellspring of wisdom, as the proverb says, in his soul. So if I talked to him long enough, that one-on-one conversation that he was so anointed for, he was, I mean... He was a beast at that. He was good at that. It would just all of a sudden start flowing. And then he would start speaking words of wisdom into my life that I began to crave. Because as he spoke, there would be correction coming along with those words of wisdom. Now, I'm not saying I always agreed with it and some of the stuff that he made me do. I'm not saying that at all. Because I didn't at times. But I understood I have to have feedback. It's important for me to have a, a, a voice in my life that is not impressed with me, that's higher than me, and I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but that has gone down the road spiritually more developed than I am, that can speak a word and do season to correct and, 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 and 
correct the, the, the trajectory of my future because God sees it. He knows it, but I got to tap into it. I got to be willing and open and ready. Proverbs talks about this. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy will tell you what you want to hear, basically. The wounds of a friend will tell you, hey, I, what you're doing right now is completely off the wall. You said something. You, should, you shouldn't have posted that on social media. Keep your mouth shut. You're in a season where you're hurting. Don't bleed on everybody. They don't need to hear the stuff that you're walking through. Come to somebody one-on-one. I know. I get it. Don't cuss me with those eyes right now. But, but it's important. I, I need to walk one-on-one with somebody and say, hey, this is where I'm at. And this is the reality. When I sit with Pastor Eddie, you know what I do? I remove the mask and I tell him everything. Everything uh, uh, that, that I feel like some of the, you know what, I'm not going there. I'll just leave that alone. But I, I, tell, I have to tell him everything because he's not here all the time. So I have to be honest, open, or humble, open, and transparent. You got to be hot before people. The, not everybody. Social media doesn't need it. Don't do it. Even the Walmart line or even some of the restaurants. But there's somebody in your life that needs that. They, you need to be open with them. Completely humble, open, and transparent. I don't care what your age is. Maybe it's side-to-side friend. Hey, this is where I'm at. Need some help. Proverbs also says, one who loves discipline loves knowledge. But listen to this part. How can it be more any, blunt, more, any more blunt? But the one who hates correction is stupid. Not ignorant, stupid. They knew, but they still chose not to be. I'm not going to keep reading the rest of it. There's a lot there in Proverbs that you can read um, as it pertains to that. But when a person was out, was, is without fellowship, he may not realize, realize that he is deviating from the straight and the narrow. Because the, the lack of fellowship, the lack of conversation, the lack of relationship, you're, you're missing it out. And you don't, know that you're, you don't know that you're kind of taking two degrees off of this journey. Everybody's going straight. You're beginning to go here. But it starts making a difference in about three, six months down the road or a year. AJ, if you would come. Fellowship with one another helps us to become what we ought to be. You're a sum total of the relationships that you're surrounded by right now. Um, Look into the next, and we've heard this said so many times, but it's true. I think it's so many different leadership voices have said it, but you're uh, you can look and see that, you know, the three to five friends that you have around you, and that determines who you'll become and where you'll be in the next five years. Who are you surrounded by? It's a question. have to be. Proverbs also mentions that if you walk with the wise, you become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. I really, you know, I, I, I spoke this in first service probably almost around the same time, and I really feel this again. Some of you right now, you have a decision that you're about to make. And I'm not talking about it's a small, it's not a small thing. could affect relationship, could affect uh, a location. And you, you may have a word. You may have had a vision or a dream. And you're going based off of that, and you're going to pull the trigger. Let me, let me tell you, and I'm serious. I feel this again. Let me warn you. I wasn't thinking this. Do not pull that trigger. Do not make that decision right now. I, I really feel like that 
go back to Bishop T.F. Tinney that said that a lot of times people will get a word, a vision, or a dream. They'll get a what, but they haven't filtered it through a God who. They won't filter it through a voice of, of spiritual wisdom into their life. And so they'll just go out and do what they want to do. And next thing you know, they look up and say, well, God, I thought you said. He might have, but he expected you to be connected with a God who. He put someone in your world that you've neglected in relationship and relationship that you're supposed to be walking with to give you clarity. I'm telling you, hear me. I don't care who it is. I'm telling you, this is the time right now you need to go consult. I understand God spoke it. I understand you feel it in your bones, and I feel there's a dream and a vision and, and you know, whatever. Where is that? I'm not, I'm not telling you that they're going to say, oh, yeah, you can do it or no. Let them speak wisdom into you because I'm telling you, God has given them words of wisdom that as you present to them what you feel like you're supposed to do, God is going to direct. I just see a direction and destiny. I see he's just going to map it out because, first off, he wants to see if you're willing to connect or if you're so arrogant and prideful to believe that you can do it on your own. Here's your word. Your relationship is about to determine your, your destiny. Your relationship with that person is about to determine your destiny. And my relationships do determine my destiny. Really quick, three things that these provide. Relationships provide, first off, is people to live with. So you're not doing it by yourself. You were not meant to do things independent. I understand a country boy can survive, but in the kingdom of God, you need him. <laughs> Number two, family. Not just your immediate family. Who is the family of God that he's linked you to become or to be with? Who is that family? God plants. He plants you in a house. And number three, relationships will provide the support that you need in the toughest of seasons and the encouragement that you need when your world is completely falling apart. Who are you connected to? Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.